Hi guys, welcome to Made It Happen Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hayflin. Made It Happen Podcast is a series highlighting young female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with young female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Well, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for joining me today, and I'm really excited to be speaking with you. Um, I've definitely followed along with your journey through social media, and I'm a big fan of your work, so I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your many jobs and side hustles and other projects you have going on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) So how about we just start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Sam. Uh, I usually like to start with one title, but obviously I have like five. So I'm the editorial assistant and the assistant to the editor in chief at Cosmo, the magazine. Um, I am the owner and operator of an online young women's clothing boutique called Brunch Club. Um, I'm a content creator on Instagram and newly YouTube, which is really fun. Um, And I do some freelance consulting on the side to help young women with career guidance, resume and cover letter, um, you know, really anything that I've had experience in and I can speak to from my heart. I, um, you know, I love to offer up my time to help people. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot of exciting things on the go. (laughs) Yes. Exciting is an understatement. (laughs) So I guess starting with um, Eat Brunch Club, your online clothing boutique, can you tell us a bit about how that all got started? Yes. Uh, I was a senior in college planning to graduate one semester early in December of 2018. And, um, you know, Cosmo had always been my dream job. And it was actually the reason that I graduated early. I was like, I want to work at Cosmopolitan Magazine. And, um, you know, if a job listing at Cosmo went up in like January and I was still in school, I would have regretted it for my whole life. So um, I made this plan to graduate early. And then my mom and I kind of looked at each other one day. We were FaceTiming because we're like best friends. So we're talking all the time and we kind of looked at each other and she was like, I almost even hate to ask this, but what if you don't get it? And I was like, that's a great, great question. I didn't really make a plan B for this. Um, I had just applied to the position and it was two weeks before I was set to graduate. And I am notorious for always being busy and always having too many things on my plate. So, you know, it would have been a real 100 to zero in that instance if I didn't get the job. And, um, you know, we talked it over for a while and kind of talked about, you know, creating content and continuing to do my Instagram thing. But um, we really wanted to expand it. And we really, you know, it, it felt not right to just keep doing what I was doing, but it felt like we needed to add something else because I was suddenly going to not have classes and school and all that stuff on my plate. So, um, you know, we landed on maybe I should start a clothing boutique. A lot of my followers on Instagram follow me for fashion and, um, you know, for like photo inspo and outfit inspo. And it kind of felt like a natural extension of the brand, but also one where I could give my followers a tangible product as opposed to just, you know, words and uh, pictures on a screen. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I definitely love a lot of your stuff and 
So with your clothing boutique, how do you sort of decide what clothes you want to bring into it and finding vendors and sort of things like that? Um, you know, deciding what you want to sell on your online boutique is uh, an interesting journey that you learn more about as you progress. Um, it started out being like, I'm just going to, you know, go to these online vendors and scroll around. And it's kind of like shopping online. Like you scroll through thousands and thousands of items and you pick out what you like and you order it. But um, what a lot of people don't realize is you can't just order how many you want or like what sizes you want. They really, they come in packs. Um, so it's usually too small, too medium, too large. That's kind of how it works. So it was kind of like an online shopping situation. And I was like, this is fun. And, you know, to um, kind of make it really true to the goal, which was, you know, to give my followers a purchasable option for the outfit inspo on my Instagram, we decided that the only clothes I would buy were ones that I wouldn't leave the store without. So if I saw that in free people, would I be able to walk out the door without it in my hand? And so that's kind of how it started. And as we kind of got a little deeper into the business, uh, we realized that that wasn't always really what works. You have to um, really hear your customers and hear your followers. And sometimes something I love is too adventurous for the boutique or something. Some, sometimes something I love is a little too like niche and a little bit too whatever it is for my like customer base. So it was an interesting process. You know, like the first time I bought something that didn't really sell very well, I was like, oh, that kind of hurt. Like, ouch. But um, it's all part of the process of really starting to understand your customer base. And, um, you know, it's not all about what I like and what I want. It's really about them. They're the ones spending their money with me and trusting me with this project. So um, it's really to serve them. And that's kind of you know, what the purchasing process is like. It's kind of, it's an adventure. Yeah, definitely always changing, which is good. Um, and then there's also sort of, you know, the back end to the business where there's the legal fees for it or just creating the website. Um, how did you sort of manage your way learning the best way to cope with those and managing that? So I had never run an a small business before in my life. Um, it was not really something I had any experience in. I, you know, I majored in journalism. I, I had never taken a business class. I knew really nothing. Um, and I feel very lucky that my mom is a lawyer. And so she has people at her firm who do trademark law, for example. Um, and, you know, we had corporate attorneys on deck who we could speak to about kind of the process of starting it. So I feel really lucky because I had guidance from those people and they were so instrumental to me in helping get set up. That's why every one of my clients, my freelance consulting clients who comes to me and says, I want to start a business. Um, and they start asking me legal questions and stuff. I'm like, wait, stop. I'm actually not qualified to give you that like advice. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an accountant. I think you really should reach out to a professional. Plus the rules are different in every state. So it can get really confusing. And if you don't know exactly what you're doing, you could mess it up. And that's definitely not something you want to mess up. And, you know, I had Thanks to, you know, majoring in journalism and minoring in multimedia authoring at Elon University, I had taken a lot of classes where I learned graphic design and website building and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that really helped with the back end of building the website and, um, you know, starting up the Instagram and, you know, creating assets and marketable materials for the boutique. But um, that behind the scenes stuff is no joke. And it's, I, you know, recently posted a YouTube video where I kind of gave my whole, like how I started an online boutique story in like 12 minutes flat. And a lot of people reached out to me and they were like, you make it sound so easy. Like, that's awesome. Like, I didn't like, maybe I'll start one. And I'm like, 
okay, wait, don't get it twisted. Like you should definitely start one if you, if that's something that, you know, calls your name, but it's definitely not easy. And I was like, I know I made it sound so quick and simple, but it is so much work and you have to be really careful with how you manage it. Cause like I said, that kind of stuff is not stuff you want to risk messing up. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess if you had sort of one piece of advice to someone who was looking to start sort of an online clothing boutique business, what would that be? Set aside a lot of time for it and don't expect it to feel like online shopping all the time. At first, it does feel like that because you're like, oh, I'm like going to get to pick out clothes that I like and like take pictures in them and then people will buy them. And there's so much more to it than that. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily prepared for that. And um, I'm not the kind of person to like turn back when it starts getting tough. So, you know, it, it started taking up a lot of time out of my day and being something that we needed to hire professionals to help us with. And I was like, was this a good idea? Um, and at the end of the day, the answer was yes. And I was like, you know what? I love this. I love doing it for my followers and for, you know, my friends and anyone, you know, anyone who likes what I wear on a day-to-day basis, this is the, this is the place they can go to kind of achieve that. So, um, you know, I think I wasn't necessarily prepared for how much time it was going to take and how much of my life it would become. And, you know, now I spend, a crazy amount of time every day operating it on top of four other jobs. So I think just setting your expectations in a place that it that is reasonable is a good start. And you know, from there you can kind of figure it out on your own and everyone's story is different and it's a wild and fun and exciting ride, but um you know, I would say don't go into it thinking it's going to be just fun and games and buying clothes. It's a lot more than that. And um, it takes really strong business acumen and a lot of motivation and a lot of self-discipline, but it's totally worth it. Yeah, it's definitely some great pieces of advice there. And you had sort of touched upon before, you know, everything that you had gone to school for and since then was you wanted to work at Cosmo um, and you're there now. What was it originally that really attracted you to not only that industry, but that specific company? That industry was always exciting to me. My whole personality is, I joke that it's because I'm a Gemini, but that's probably not why. Um, But I love change and I love excitement and I get bored sitting in one place too easily. That's why, you know, when I was graduating from college, I was like, I need to either get my job of my dreams or start a business. Like what? Who's, whoever in their right mind has just those two options and nothing else. But, you know, I think... For me, the industry was, it was very clear to me from an early age that it would never be the same every day. And part of it is because, you know, set aside the job of like writing and reporting and creating content, but the actual content has to be different every day for it to be fresh and engaging to an audience. So, you know, even if you're technically doing the same things, you're going through the same motions, the stuff you're working on every day is inherently different. And, you know, it all kind of started when I was like seven years old and I saw, I made my mom pre-screen The Devil Wears Prada, which was PG-13, so kind of a big deal. Um, And I saw it and, you know, it wasn't like the like asshole editor in chief or like, you know, the horrible coworkers or the coffee spilled down Anne Hathaway's blazer that turned me on to it. But it was that fast paced and super engaging lifestyle that I knew was glamorized in the movie, but I also knew was realistic enough to be real life. 
So, you know, as I started growing up and, you know, taking classes in journalism and starting to really understand the industry and then eventually moving to internships and real job applications, it became clearer to me than ever that the content was always going to be fresh because that is the nature of the business. And so um, that is kind of what turned me on to the industry. And then in terms of being interested in Cosmos specifically, it was always for me that I just consumed a lot of content all the time because I wanted to create it for my whole life. And the best way to understand that industry is to consume the content you want to create someday. So I was reading every magazine there was, watching every pop culture TV show. I was always scrolling on Instagram and Snapchat and trying to get my news from a million different places and, um, you know, really trying to completely immerse myself in the industry. And Cosmo always stood out because all of these magazines and publications and TV shows were talking at me. They were always just telling me what I wanted, telling me what I needed. And, you know, there's a, an aspect of that that's sort of aspirational. It feels like, oh, they know what they're talking about, so I want to pay attention. But with Cosmo, it was always a two-way dialogue. It always felt like, you know, not only were they telling me what I wanted and needed, but they were like, it felt like they were, you know, reaching out to me to see, to ask what I wanted and needed. I always felt like Cosmo was serving my needs before I even thought to ask about them. Um, and so, you know, it just really resonated me with me from a very young age and it kind of became a part of me. And I feel like my whole life, like, knowing that I wanted to work at Cosmo, people would be like, oh, I could totally see that. And, you know, that to me is an indicator that I was headed in the right direction all along because, um, you know, I've really kind of tried to do everything with that goal of Cosmo in mind. And, you know, eventually it worked out in my favor. So it is, it, it's kind of something I tell to all my clients too, is, you know, if you at the end of the day, take your goal and every single thing you do, think of that goal when you're doing it. Like, Every internship I did, every decision I made was in pursuit of that. And that's where I ended up. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, you know, you had also said um, in some other things that your cover letter was definitely one of the big parts that you had felt, you know, really helped with that position. What sort of advice do you give to people who want to work on their cover letter or sort of improve it for their job if there was sort of one piece? The cover letter is, it's kind of your only chance to show an employer your personality before they meet you. And, you know, getting through to the interview round isn't always an easy task. A lot of times employers are sifting through hundreds of resumes and cover letters and applications, and you don't want yours to get lost in a mix. Um, so I would say the most important part of your cover letter is really, really trying to use your voice to its best extent in the same tone, if you will, as the publication you're applying to. So for me, if I were applying to the New York Times, my cover letter probably would have been a lot more, I don't know, like, I don't want to say professional because I like to think my cover letter is professional anyway, but you know, a little bit more tame and um, you know, a little bit more like newspaper-y, you know, like reporter-y. And my cover letter for Cosmo, I would say is still you know, professional, but I really tried to mix in a little bit of like my personality and my humor into it because 
you know, one of the things that I was admired about Cosmo was like how every time you read an article, you can hear it in like someone's voice. You can like hear some girl like saying those words to you in your head. And um, that's something that I always just really admired about the publication. And I wanted to show them that I could do it too. So um, there were parts of my cover letter that I just really kind of opened up and let loose a little bit so that they could see my personality behind all the I want to work for you. Um, and I would say that is my biggest piece of advice because no matter what you do, if they can hear a cover letter in your voice, you have such a good shot at getting through to the interview round versus, you know, if it's just some copy paste template cover letter that they've seen from a hundred other people, it won't make a difference or, you know, worst case scenario, they'll be like, F this and throw it out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely some great advice. And I guess that brings to the next question is when you're creating content for Cosmo, where do you sort of find your inspiration or get the ideas for what content you want to present with them? So that is a really, really fun and exciting process, partly because almost all of the editors take their content from like their own lives and, you know, their own friends and their own experiences, which is really fun because it, you know, we really, uh, we have a good couple of laughs about it, but you know, the pitch process from where it starts out as like this tiny, like weird idea that you're not even sure is a good idea. And then you get into a room with a group of like the smartest people in the industry. Like truly they are so good at turning like this big an idea into this big an idea. And they are wickedly funny, like all over laughing funny and you can turn literally a weird text that you got from like a tinder match into a, a story that will resonate with thousands of people across the country um and i really do think you know deciding what the mix is going to be is a total group effort and you know it, i think it originates a lot of times from our personal experiences and you know our lives and um, the kind of content we like to consume as humans, uh, because, you know, we are really representative of the demographic. We're like, almost all of us are millennial women. And so, um, you know, we figure a lot of what we create is going to be interesting to other millennial women because you can relate. So it, it definitely starts out as like a mix of personal experiences and like weird, funny stories and like crazy things you hear. Um, and, you know, as it goes through the team and eventually works its way up to our editor in chief, Jess Pels, it has been kind of honed into a very voicey, very smart, very, um, you know, chronological somehow narrative that makes sense and is like engaging to read, not just like talk about over drinks with your friend. And that's something I really think our team is really good at. Yeah, it definitely sounds like such a, you know, fun process and just sort of the environment of it all, which is so great. And so what would you say is your favorite part of working for Cosmo? Oh my God, it's so many. <laughs> um, it's so hard to... Um, it's so hard to pick and, you know, there are some that I've talked about like here and there, but I like to try to come up with new ones because there are so many. So like when I have conversations like this, I want to, I always want to come up with a new one. I would say today and this week, my favorite part of working at Cosmo is probably that it's probably that we just, we have so much room to experiment and therefore grow. Um, our editor in chief, who I mentioned a minute ago, Jess, she's like my direct supervisor, but of course she, you know, helms the whole ship. And she has this line that she says at the beginning of every meeting, when we are like trying to come up with whatever it is, a headline or a cover line or like whatever. And it's 
bad ideas first. She starts the meeting by saying bad ideas first, just like say whatever comes into your head, even if it's stupid or like weird or whatever. And you know, that is when we are our best, a group of like 70 millennial women in a room together, all like putting their heads on this one specific topic, trying to come up with an idea that will resonate with the entire country. And, um, you know, that bad ideas first reminder is it, it's just like a reminder that this is a safe space to use your brain and nothing you say is going to be actually stupid. And even if it is, we'll all probably laugh about it for 14 years to come in, you know, like over wine. And, you know, when we remember it like 10 years down the road, but, um, it always turns into something somehow it always turns into something amazing. And it's that room to experiment that gives us the creative agency to create what we do. And I really think if, you know, if it was always the editor's way or the highway, then it wouldn't be like that. But that's part of what's great about working under Jess and about working at Cosmo right now, the way it is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely great to have that, you know, great team and open openness there. And um, in terms of, I guess, experiences with Cosmos, there's sort of one that sort of speaks out to you or maybe someone you've met like through the experiences or anything like that? Yes. And I talk about it a lot. So don't call me a broken record. It's just truly the most fun thing that's ever happened. But I'm a huge fan of The Bachelor, like the TV show. And um, it's always just been a thing I have with my followers on Instagram and with my friends. Like I have Bachelor Monday watch parties all the time. Like it's just a big, like it's the one thing I kind of do for myself to like let loose once a week and relax and have fun and be silly, um, you know, in a context that's not one of my five jobs. So uh, it's always been something that I loved and I love writing about it and I love, you know, doing work. I love it when my job overlaps with The Bachelor. Um, And it was last, like, oh my God, I don't even know, winter, we were all sitting in a room together and um, Jess our editor-in-chief said to me, we are going to host an episode of The Bachelor. And I was like, what? (laughs) Oh my God. I was like, that's, you can't just drop that bomb and then like not keep talking. I need to know more. And she was like, yeah, there, um," she was like, I don't even know how to say this. We're going to like, I have to go to Costa Rica to film an episode of The Bachelor. Like we're hosting a challenge on The Bachelor. And I was like, okay, like, could this get any cooler? And then she was like, I want you to come. And I was like, what? (laughs) It was the wildest conversation I've ever had with anyone, let alone a boss. Um, But, you know, a couple months later, I was on a plane with her from JFK to Costa Rica. And we spent three days in like the rainforest, literally. It was like, we landed at the airport. Then it was like a four hour, like, journey on this like rickety old van to get to the hotel. And then from the hotel, it was like another bus to get to this waterfall. Long story short, it felt like my whole life was coming full circle. It was like the connection of like my one true love, The Bachelor with, you know, I knew my Instagram followers would go crazy for it because they love The Bachelor too. And, you know, it was like doing what I love to do, which is, you know, my job at Cosmo, but especially like going out in the field and like writing and reporting about an experience and just even being there on the set was so fun. And, um, you know, it's really what you want when you sign up for this job. It's what, it's what everyone pictures and, you know, dreams of. So 
I always go back to that being the most fun just because like we got to be there. And, you know, at the time, like the girls hadn't even like nothing had been announced really. Like no one knew anything. It all had to be really confidential. So we were getting a sneak peek. And then, you know, at the end of it, I got to um, be the one who wrote and report the feature that we would publish about it. So I got to spend some time with Peter and the girls and, um, you know, interviewing them for the story. And then it all kind of culminated in this like six page spread that I wrote for the magazine. And I always say this, but like what assistant gets to write a six page spread for the magazine? Like no assistant. So I just felt like it was really like the epitome of my 2019. It was like the most fun weekend ever and the most fun project I've ever worked on. And I'm confident that more and cooler ones will come my way, but it is definitely one for the books. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, I'm definitely a huge fan of Bachelor 2 and your live Bachelor recaps. I love those. <laughs> I love that you watch those. I always am <laughs> like so nervous to talk to people who watch those because I'm like, I'm not as funny in real life as I am on those watch, like on those reactions. No, they're, they're so funny. And I remember even that night when it was airing too, how you sort of teased like that you you had something like with Hi. the episode. <laughs> yeah. And then when they said actually on it that it was Cosmo and stuff, like that would definitely be just a dream come true working on that. So yes. I actually hosted a watch party for the episode at my office. So I had, we had like 20 editors or whatever there to all watch together because, you know, Jess was nervous about like being on TV and like the whole thing. And so um, we like ordered pizzas and I sprinkled rose petals like all over the like conference room table it was crazy but it was so much fun I know yeah it definitely it looks like so much fun and then I mean the fact that that's also your job yeah right <laughs> unreal <Crazy>. um <laughs> and so then I guess also with more more of your jobs um you also are have been sort of a content creator through you know Instagram and other platforms um can you just tell us a little bit sort of how you got into that Yes, it was an accident. <laughs> and that is like the lamest intro ever, but it was. Um, you know, I started using Instagram in probably, I don't know, 2013. I was like, maybe earlier actually. Um, but, you know, I just used it the way everyone else uses it to post pictures of your friends and your dog and your like lunch, like that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, my photo got reposted on a larger account. So it like randomly got some exposure and it was private at the time. And every time I would try to open up Instagram to use it, my app would literally crash because once I got posted on that larger account, I got so many follower requests from it because I don't know, whatever. Um, and I was like, I just want to be able to use Instagram again. So I made it public. And when you make it public, it automatically accepts all the requests that came in. So I had like, I don't know, it got me to like a thousand followers or like 1500 followers. And um, a couple weeks after that, I was, you know, I was getting more likes than usual because I had more followers than usual. And some, a, a girl reached out to me on Instagram and said, Hey, I make jewelry. I would love to send you a necklace if you would post a picture in it and like tag us. And I was like, cool, free stuff. Like dope. I'm like I'm down. So, um, you know, I did it. And, um, couple weeks later, she reached out and she was like, that went really well. Like I sold a lot of necklaces. Can we do it again? And I was like, sure, like whatever. So we did it again. And then, you know, um, I think other girls who made and sold jewelry started seeing like what was happening and they would like reach out to me and be like, can you do this for us too? And I was like, sure. Like, what? okay. And, um, you know, eventually it started evolving into like clothes and like small boutiques would like reach out. And, um, you know, after a while I, 
people started following me because they knew they could expect that kind of content. So it wasn't just inspo on the outfits that I was being sent and that kind of stuff, but it was also discount codes. Like companies would be like, hey, if people type in this word in our checkout thing, they'll get 20% off their order. I was like, what? Like not knowing what a discount code was when I was like freaking 17, 18, whatever. So, um, you know, now all 17 and 18 year olds know what a discount code is, but that was early for influencer stuff. So it was like new and very foreign and exciting. So, um, you know, people started coming to me and following me because they knew they could get discounts on clothes. And, you know, that's actually part of the reason I think it's harder to grow an Instagram nowadays is because everyone's got a discount code. Like you can't look at Instagram without finding a discount code. So, you know, it's, um, it's less niche than it used to be and it's, it's less rare. And, um, so I think it's harder to differentiate nowadays, uh, for sure, but that's kind of how it all started. And, um, it has definitely been a crazy ride since then. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess with that, is, is there sort of any companies that really spring to mind that, you know, you just, you loved working with or anything like that? Yeah. T- I mean, the truth is I, um, I really only work with companies whose mission really resonates with me or whose product or service really resonates with me and is something that really applies to my daily life. So, you know, I really like this sounds dumb, but I've loved all of the companies I've worked with. And one that comes to mind when I'm thinking about like my favorites is Princess Polly because I've been working with them for so long now, since like basically as soon as I started doing the influencer thing, heavy air quotes on influencer. Um, but you know, they've really been with me through it all. And it's, you know, I never, it feels, I mean, obviously listen, the center of our industry is what kind of followers and engagement you have. And, you know, that's the only metric we can go by. So it's a huge part of it, but it never really felt like they cared about how many followers I had or like, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it felt like they cared about like, who I was and what kind of stuff I was putting out there and um, the kind of relationship I had with my followers. And that has, that's really important to me and is very central to my mission. So I really feel like, you know, our values just align and they've really been there through it all. And I love their stuff. I literally just wear their stuff all the time. Um, So it's been a really great relationship and it's one I feel very grateful to have. Yeah, definitely. And I know we're sort of running out of time, but then you also have now another side hustle. Of course on, I do. <laughs> um, with sort of consulting um, for a couple of different reasons. So can you maybe just tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yes, totally. Um, you know, ever since my Instagram started becoming a thing where I have however many followers, um, people, you know, message me all the time about all kinds of things. They DM me about, you know, what they should wear for their senior photos. They DM me about, you know, where are my favorite places to shop. They DM me about where I get my hair done in New York and, and how did you get your job at Cosmo? And, you know, every question you can imagine asking a stranger or even every question you can imagine asking a friend, I have been asked in my DMs by complete strangers. And I love that. And it's one of my favorite parts about my account. And it's one of my favorite parts about my job is building the relationships with these people where, you know, yeah, we've never met, but they trust my opinion on such a vast range of things, but um, also on some really important things. And, you know, I'm always so humbled when I remember that, you know, I'm just another normal person, but a lot of these people really are looking for guidance in different parts of their lives. And the fact that they 
can come to me or feel like they want to come to me for that is really, it's like truly, actually, this sounds dumb, but it's literally an honor. And I, I love it. And, um, you know, it just eventually got to the point where I was spending every waking second of my free time trying to respond to DMs. And it is part of my thing is I, the reason I'm here is to build these relationships. It's not to make money and it's not to be like, whatever, like a, an influencer. It's to build relationships with these people and to kind of like be there with them through all the crazy shit that happens. And so starting the consulting service came from kind of two places. It The first one was what I just said, which is I love to talk to my followers and help them with things and, you know, be there for them and give them really sound advice based on my own experiences. Um, but, you know, the reason I set up a formal service is because I was just running out of energy and hours in the day. And um, it got to the point where I was like, I couldn't spend time with people and I couldn't, you know, do actual work because I was so busy just texting with people all day. And, you know, people I've never met, um, but people I wanted so badly to help. So um, it's kind of the same way influencers manage the flow of advertisements we post. We can't be posting ads all day, every day, because that's not what people come to our pages for. They come to our pages to meet us and to you know be on a journey with us. They don't come here for us to flash an ad at their faces. So um, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you know you have to set up eventually a paywall where you know the part of the decision making process for you is can this company pay me for my work and for my time because. Otherwise, I'm going to be posting ads every single day because I'm just doing it whenever it comes in and, and that turns people off. So it's one of the factors in the decision-making process. And eventually the flow of requests and questions just got to be so much that if I wasn't charging time for them, then I was spending or charging money for them. I was spending all of my personal free time just talking to people in their DMs. And um, as much as I love to do that and wish I could do it all the time, it was like interfering with my actual life. And, um, you know, giving up whatever free time I do have in the day for free is really hard because, you know, I do have four jobs. I have, you know, sometimes five jobs depending. Um, but, you know, it's it's very valuable time to me. And I, I would love to spend it helping everyone for free if I could, but it's just not practical and it's not manageable. So, it's funny that I always feel the need to kind of defend myself for charging that money when people all over the country and the world do it like all the time. But, you know, it, it's something that I think everyone wishes they could do for free, but it just becomes too hard to manage that flow. And one of the ways to mitigate the amount of requests that come in is to charge money. And um, at the end of the day, I have I've been so lucky because so many people still want to come to me and, you know, ask me questions and pay for the consulting service, which is truly like the highest honor because I can't believe people care that much what I have to say and what I think about their projects. But every single person I've worked with, I have gotten amazing feedback from. And it started out being like, I think I had an imposter syndrome. I was like, I don't know if people are going to want to pay for my time. Like I like, am I really qualified for this? Can I do this? Like, will people be happy with it once they pay for it and they have the experience? And I've sent out a feedback survey at the end of every single session. And I post the reviews on my website. Um, and it started out where I was so nervous to get this feedback that I actually wrote in, um, there's a part where you can kind of just like 
say some things like be like, here's the Yelp part where like I ask you to kind of leave me a review. And um, I actually started out by writing like, if selected, your review will be, you know, on my website for other people to see. Because I was thinking like, what if I get some horrible ones? Like, I don't want to put that on my website. And I ended up taking that part out because I've had uh, more sessions than I can count. And every single one of them has come back with feedback that's like, shocking to me and humbling at the same time. Um, but you know, really positive. And I really do think that for me, that's why it's so rewarding is because the work I'm doing with these people is actually helping. And, you know, it's making, not only, I think, are we collaborating to make their work even stronger than it already is, but we're, we're building something together. And I think part of it is even just reminding them how great they are to start with and how, you know, they don't need me, but you know, once I get there, I'm going to give my all to their project and make it, you know, as good as I would make my own work. Um, and so I really, it's been such a rewarding experience and something that I still can't believe I get to do for work. And it's, it's for sure my favorite, like part, my favorite new thing in my life. Because every time I talk to one of these people, they're like, that was so inspiring and exciting. Thank you so much. I'm like, I'm the one who's inspired. Like you're crazy, but I'm so inspired by your ambition and, you know, the brilliant ideas these people have. And, you know, they're coming to me for feedback and so that we can make it even better. But there, it's always such a good starting point that it is so exciting to work with these people because I feel like we're really making great things and that's what I set out to do. I'm sorry I rambled so long on that, but it's like my favorite thing in the world and I, it makes me very happy. <laughs> no, no, that's it's so great to hear. And um, I mean, I know I can definitely see like the passion behind it, which is so incredible. And even on your um, like social media, it's very obvious like that you do care about, you know, helping others and like with your followers and with that journey, which I think it's just incredible. So <laughs> thank you. And so I guess with the next question there is you have sort of all of these multiple businesses and jobs and how do you manage your time with all of this? Oh my God. Well, first of all, I don't sleep. That is for sure. Um, I'm a, a chronic not sleeper, whatever team no sleep. And, um, you know, it can get hard. I am one of those people who doesn't really, I like even if I wasn't working, I wouldn't sleep. It's not like I just all work and no play. Um, but you know, I have the most severe FOMO in the history of the world. Like if I'm not working, I want to be doing something and I want to be like engaging with people and talking to people. So, you know, there are definitely nights when I'm working, just working till like 3am, but there are also nights when I stop working at 8 p.m. and then I'm up with my roommates or like with my boyfriend or with my parents and just like hanging out until 3 a.m. because I have this like obsession with building relationships and with human connection and with the joy that that, that is my happy place is when I'm building relationships with other people and um, experiencing something with another person. So, you know, I'm lucky that I get to do that for all of my jobs. Like that is literally the common thread between all of my jobs, but it's not like I'm all work and no play because for me, play is also staying up till 3am to do shit. But, you know, I will say it's definitely important for me to kind of 
block out my time. And, um, you know, I, I use a calendar for everything. If I don't put like shower in my calendar, I'll forget to shower. I swear to God. Um, but it really, it's been my one true saving grace in terms of time management. I have all these different calendars for all my different email addresses for all my different jobs, but I have one central one where I just have every single thing I do in there. And it really, for some reason, it's very helpful, you know, when you're reaching the bottom of that calendar invite and you know your time is almost up, it's really helpful for that like switch of the mindset from like, okay, like now I have to switch out of the Cosmo mindset and into a consulting mindset. I have 30 minutes to prep for this session, like let's do it. So I think, you know, my biggest savior is that electronic calendars exist nowadays and thank God for that because I have no idea what I would do without it. But, you know, I'm just trying to stay afloat like everybody else. And the truth is I don't have all the answers and it is the pursuit of my life to find all the answers, but that's not even possible. So I'm just doing my best and sharing what I learned along the way and hoping that's good enough. Yeah, no, that definitely, that makes sense and definitely some great advice there. And yeah, just thank you so much for, you know, sharing all of that with me and your journey and all of your stories. And, you know, it sounds like so much fun, but also just how much passion you have behind everything and, you know, dedication to it, I think is just definitely very inspiring for myself and for so many other people. And do you have any just sort of final thoughts before we finish off here? Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this. And, you know, if, if, even 30 seconds of what I say helps inspire someone to start doing whatever that it is they've been thinking about doing, then my job, my work here is done. So thank you so much. This has been so fun. I love talking about it. And you want to just tell listeners where they can find you online. Yes, totally. You can find me on Instagram at Samantha Fair. Um, you can find me at samfair.com because for whatever reason, samanthafair.com was not available when I was buying a website domain. You can find me on cosmo.com. I have an author's page there. Um, and you can check out the clothing boutique at www.shopthebrunchclub.com or eatbrunchclub on Instagram. Thanks for listening to Made It Happen Podcast, the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, and I'll see you next week.